Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. All right, staying cool. Um, all right, are we on? We good? Sweet. Well, we are uh, in our third week in this series on Proverbs. Hope you guys have been uh, enjoying it. Uh, we've been having we had a little uh, uh, little reading uh, assignment. If this is your first Sunday, no worries. But uh, we just kind of issued out um, that for the next few weeks, we're just going to go through Proverbs together, and uh, we can kind of encourage you to maybe read a chapter a day as we're kind of diving into God's wisdom over this next season. So uh, hopefully you guys have been joining up with that. Uh, but this week, kind of the assigned chapters were chapter 7 through 13. And so before we move on and keep reading and keep diving into God's wisdom, I just wanted to kind of pause and, and make sure that we were picking up some, some key morsels from uh, those, those uh, six chapters. And so that's where we're going to kind of go today. Um, but I, I encourage you to really use this season to really dive into God's Word. If you've never had an extended period of time where you're just eating God's Word and getting nourishment from Him, uh, we encourage you to like, use this season, use this time to do that. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, this is the playbook. The playbook doesn't change, hasn't changed in quite some time. And uh, God wants you to get this playbook in you. Uh, this should daily affect, man, how we're thinking and what we're thinking about. Um, it, it should affect our view of God, ourselves, how we view others, our relationships, your work relationships, your work, your relationships with your bosses, uh, out in the world, circumstances of life. God wants to help shape you and envision you to be the man or woman He's designed you to be in this life. So, but it's very common for us, I think, to kind of diminish the life God made us for because of our tendency to kind of stop short of entering into maturity of being trained and equipped by God. We tend to mainly just kind of stay believers instead of moving into who Jesus asked us to be as disciples. And so it's, it's kind of like this image... Um, it's kind of like you're, if, if, you're a, if you're a believer, it's like you got the team jersey, like you're on Team Jesus. Team Kingdom, at some point, if you've given your life to Christ and you're like, man, I'm going to follow you, man, you're on the team, you're in the family. It's tremendous. But sometimes people just love wearing the jersey and not necessarily getting out and, and getting trained and equipped for the game of life. Sometimes we're just kind of content to just sit and ride the pine, sit, sit on the bench. At least you're on the team, right? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm on the team. Uh, you can't necessarily like come at me too hard because it's like, man, I got Team Jesus jersey on. But yet what you don't realize is that that sideline that you're thinking that you're sitting on outside of the game of play, that bench is right in the middle of the field because you're living life. There's no way that you can just sit and think, just, I'll just kind of stay in this lukewarm middle. 
God has designed you to be all in for Him, and that when you do, everything inside of you begins to come alive because you're made in His image. And so God's trying to get you to embrace reality for which you were made, to be His image bearer in a sick and broken world and to walk in the purposes He's made you for. It's one of my favorite verses. We quote it here often, but Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He's created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things He's planned for you long ago. There's works for you to enter into in this generation. And God wants to capture your heart and tool you up so you can be who's made you to be. And so God's got things for us to be and do. And so He desires a people that, again, like I said, they're all in for everything He's made us for. It's one of the most courageous prayers you could kind of utter to God. God, I want everything that you've made me for. But how do we live at that level? It's a good question. That's what we're going to dive into. We're going we're to unearth some wisdom from the Proverbs of how do we live at the level that God's made us for. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, thank you for your word that, Lord, all of us walk in here with tremendous insecurities and weaknesses and pride and rebellion. And Father, we're asking you, God, to take that and make it new. God, take us, work our hearts so that we can be the people you've made us to be. And use your word this morning to shape us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Y'all ready? Double seatbelt, let's go. Let's go. Five-point harness, let's do this. All right. Proverbs 10, 17 says this, people who accept correction are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray. Powerful verse, powerful verse. People who accept correction are on the pathway to life. Those close to you and I can see the blind spots that you and I cannot see. It's a fact of life. Even though you don't want it to be that way, even though you would much rather not have any blind spots that I could, you could constantly look uh, upon your life with kind of a uh, a beautiful 20, 20, 360 view to never make a mistake. But that doesn't happen, right? Not this side of heaven. Anyway, so we've got blind spots. And so whether it be pride or ignorance, there's some issues in our lives that require the help of others to recognize the change that's needed. Sometimes our own stubborn hearts, our own stiff-neckedness. The Bible talks about being a stiff-necked people. Don't be a stiff-necked person, because God can't do much with that. Correction can be difficult, because sometimes when it comes our way, we can kind of interpret it as judgment. You ever been there? Somebody's come and kind of uh, give you some constructive criticism, and uh, you know, it may have, may have come in maybe a messy package, but at the end of the day, uh, man, we, we're, we're kind of interpreting their words as judgment, as judgment. And so uh, a lot of times, especially nowadays, it's very common to, uh, if you get kind of a word of criticism, dude, we're done. Like forever, we're done, right? It's like, dude, where'd you go? It's like, well, man, you, you said that one thing and, and I just didn't want to deal with it and so we're done. And so that's kind of like the tools that this generation is getting for how to live life. 
And they're getting robbed of the very abundant life that God has for them because they refuse correction. Sometimes we respond poorly by, now think of this, what's your reaction when correction comes your way? Or what are maybe some of the reactions you've seen of others uh, when criticism came their way, a correction? Uh, sometimes we can get upset. Um, very easy to, when someone gives you a dose of truth, to just manifest a bunch of anger, to just kind of put it back. It's a little bit too much for me to deal with. Like that was a little bit too, too much maple syrup on my pancake, and I've got to give some of that back. Sometimes we can make excuses. You've, you've seen that happen. It's like, hey... Um, you know, I need you to do this. This happens at work all the time. Hey, boss comes, gives some correction. What's sometimes the common response? Well, have you seen Susie? At, you know, and we start kind of making excuses. Oh, well, I've done this. I needed to do that or this special circumstance. And we can kind of obfuscate the criticism. Another way is we try to turn the tables on the other person. Ooh, this is a classic move classic move. You ever been where you might be giving a, a, a word of correction or, and they turn the tables on you, and instead of responding at all to anything that you said, they say, well, how about you? I know a few issues about your life, and I'm going to start calling them out too. So it's like, no, no, wait, wait, we're talking about you. And it's like, well, how did this turn around? And that's a very easy way to just avoid correction. All this does is stifle our spiritual growth. And that's why God places so much emphasis on the way that we respond to criticism and correction. Anyone who serves God will discover sooner or later that the great hindrance in life <laughs> or that we have in the Lord's work is not others, it's ourselves. The great hindrance to God is not others doing what you would expect them to do or want them to do, it's ourselves. We discover that oftentimes our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions is not in harmony with our spirit. That's the inward being that God created you in His image, and that's where the Spirit of God resides. And when you're a follower of Jesus, that spirit and that soul most often are going in diametrically opposite directions. A tremendous leader during the Chinese uh, revolution, the turn of the 20th century, a man named by Watchman Nee, a tremendous leader in the, in the Chinese church. And he says this, Many of God's servants are not able to do even the most elementary work. Ordinarily, they should be enabled by the exercise of their spirit to know God's word to discern, discern the spiritual condition of another, to speak with authority, and to receive God's illumination. Yet due to the distractions of the outward man, their spirit does not seem to function properly. Their outward man has never been dealt with. Only one kind of dealing can enable man to be useful before God. Brokenness. Brokenness. Jesus tells us in John 12 says this, except the grain of wheat falling into the ground die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Jesus is giving an example of what it looks like for a seed to go down into the ground and sprout life. And he's using this as an example of what it's like in following God. Life is within the grain of wheat, but there's this shell, this very hard shell on the outside. And as long as that shell is not split open, the wheat cannot sprout and grow. And so Jesus said, except the grain of wheat falling into the ground, die. Now, what's this death? It's the cracking open of the shell through temperature and humidity, and they begin working together in the soil. And once that shell of husk is split open, the wheat begins to grow. And so the question is not uh, whether or not life exists in the seed. The question is, is that outer shell broken so that it can actually sprout life? Now think about that. Correction can come and help break that outer shell of our flesh, our will, our own desires, our own feelings, to help release the Spirit of God out of the inner man inside of you. So embrace it. This is God's pathway. For There's, there's, a, there's a beautiful passage in, in Hebrews 12 where it says, Jesus is the author, God is the author and finisher of your faith. Not only is the one that he captures you, he's the one that rescues you and redeems you and forgives you of your sin, places his Holy Spirit inside of you, but he's not done there. He wants to see that finishing work in your life so that you reflect who he is in this life. But in that correction, we need to embrace it. Uh, my wife and I... Uh, well, I will say this. I won't throw my wife on. I'm, I actually... I, I really like Gordon Ramsay. Love his shows. And uh, anyway, it's, it, it, I love cooking, watching his shows. Anyway, there's, he's got a new show, Gordon Ramsay Food Stars. And my wife and I were watching this a couple nights ago, and there was a perfect example of what we're talking about. And uh, uh, quick setup, uh, the, the show is just him recruiting some social influencers, some business entrepreneurs, some food truck owners, Basically, all these people are entrepreneurs, and uh, if they win the contest, you get you know, a quarter of a million and some mentorship from him. Anyway, that's, that's the prize. And so uh, there was a team challenge, and there was this uh, woman who was the team leader, and uh, they had to create some canapes, which are little uh, bite-sized little uh, nuggets for hors d'oeuvres at fancy parties. Anyway, so this one gal that was in the kitchen, she wasn't the team lead, but she, she had made these... Uh, uh, little chicken wings, and they were just all messy, and uh, not something you want necessarily at a fancy thing. And so she, the team lead says, those aren't even canapes, you need to change. And she goes, honey, I've been cooking these my whole life. These are fire. Basically, get off me, and uh, I know what I'm doing. And there was this big kind of clash. And so the team lead, because of the other person's strong personality, it's like, okay, I'm telling you, this isn't going to work. Well, before they go out for, their, for their, their contest, Gordon Ramsay comes in and kind of samples what they're offering before they kind of kick it out to the peeps. And so he comes in, and he tastes, and he gets to this wing. And he's like, who in the heck would put a wing out on a, on a canopy? This isn't a canopy, you donut. And it's just kind of like, and so it's like, and so automatically that young chef that was so opinionated became silent. 
It's like the, the, master, the, the master chef came in and told me what was up. I'll, I'll receive his instruction. But a lot of times, we won't receive the teammate's instruction. And so sometimes in life, we think, well, if God wants to correct me, man, he's going to come down and tell me. I'll, I'll, I mean, you don't want to wait sometimes. Sometimes the Lord has... If he's not getting your attention on one way, he'll get an attention another way. And sometimes those bad circumstances or conditions like begin to finally wake us up to who God is and what he wants. So don't be the person God has to come down personally to blast. <laughs> be the one that can take correction because God is moving in and through the people around you to help shape you. No matter who the source is. I mean, God has corrected me through my own children. I mean, it's like no matter who the source is. You know, of course, dad walks around house kind of, hey, watch out for those screens. Hey, you, you watching too many screens? How many, how many hours of screens have you been on today? And so it's like a total, you know, common parental question about screens. And then, you know, I'm down on the couch, family room. And then the comments, like, why is dad on his phone all the time? And it's like, boop, two by four. Now, again, as a parent, I could kind of, like, make excuses. I, I could say, well, you know, I'm doing work here, son, and, you know, kind of, I could, or you could just receive the correction. You know, son, you're absolutely right. Thanks for saying something. Ideal response, thank you for telling me. I'm sure that wasn't easy. I'm glad you cared enough about me to talk to me about it. Thank you. When you can embrace the correction of God through other people, you will grow faster than you could ever imagine. Your intimacy with the Lord, your love for other people, the transformation of God in your own heart. Correction breaks that outer shell, and it sprouts life. Tom Landry, the famous football coach of the Dallas Cowboys, said this, I make people do what they don't want to do so they can achieve what they've always wanted to achieve. Ooh, that's God's heart for you. That's God's heart. So when correction comes your way, just, man, Thank you. I'm going to eat the meat all off that bone because it feeds my soul because God has his work. That coaching and correcting we embrace and invite into our lives enables us to live the life God desires us to live. Proverbs 11:14 says this, without wise leadership, a nation falls. Hmm, kind of feeling that stretch right now. Are we? Anyway, uh, but it says, with many counselors, there's safety. With many counselors, there's safety. All things fall short when there's no wise leadership. No wise leadership over our own life. If we're not exerting self-government, if we're not choosing well, other things begin to take over. Or how about in our marriages and families? When there's no leadership, when there's no wise leadership, things tend to fall apart. Our institutions, let alone a nation, they stumble and fall yet. With many counselors, there's safety, Solomon says. 
Intentionally placing wise men and women around you helps your life become protected by God, protected to remain in His will through the divine agents of God's people. So the question is, do you have those kind of counselors in your life? Do you have those kind of wise men and women in your life? Man, I cannot thank God enough for the men and women He's placed in my life every step along the way to help guide me in difficult seasons and even best seasons. Most of that came not because I waited around for them to dispense their wisdom. I went and asked questions of wise people God put around me. Questions like, how should I go about doing this? Uh, What would you do here? Uh, What do you think of this? I have no clue how to get out of this situation. I'm sensing this from the Lord. What do you say? These counselors of wise men and women in your life can help become become part of, of God's compass to your life that always bring you into protection and safety in the kingdom of God. You don't have what it takes. That's a true statement. You need Jesus and the people around you to be who God's made you to be. Proverbs 13, 12, 20 says this, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. You've heard that statement. You show me your five closest friends and I show, I'll, I'll know who you are. That's a true statement. Who you hang out with is who you become. So hang out intentionally with wise men and women. There's this phrase, joined generations go farther. When the older generation partners with the younger generation, and vice versa, when young and old stand together, the enemy's plans fall apart. When young and old can stand together, the enemy's plans fall apart. Why? Because the enemy has less naive fools to completely capture in the younger generation. You begin to passing on all all the lessons, all the things that I've seen, man, all the spiritual battles that I've gone through. Younger person, let me share with you what those are. Let me invest so you don't have to go down the same bad roads I went down, and you can continue to go down the road of glory that God's put me on. The battles they've gone through, can be passed on to the next generation. They can receive wisdom, discernment, and direction. The enemy hates this because, again, they can't be captured. The wisdom and connection between young and old, young and wise, is essential to thwart demonic schemes. David said this. Psalm 141.5 says, Let the godly strike me. It'll be a kindness If they reprove me, it's soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. This is a a prayer of David, and I'm sure when you read this and you know, if you know David's story, I'll throw $100, we can settle in heaven. But anyway, that this has to do, that this has to do with David's relationship with the prophet Nathan. And that when David committed adultery and murder when he was king 
and he tried to hide it for a whole year. Nathan was his buddy and prophet and friend that loved him enough to confront David on his behavior that he was running from. And so Nathan kind of shares this parable story of this one person that comes and kills uh, all the animals of this family and this family starve. And it's like, and David's like, oh, that person should be killed. And Nathan says, that person is you. But it was like God recaptured David's heart in that moment. And then he sings a song about it. Let the godly strike me. It'll be a kindness if they reprove me. It's soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. Because he knows that that correction anchors him in the will of God. Proverbs 27.5 says, An open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Who do you get in the most arguments with? Probably the people you're closest to. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. So, what should our walk away be in this? One, obviously, embrace correction. Embrace correction. When it comes, see it for what it is. It's God's grace and truth coming to help you be who you've made me, God's made you to be. And to live at the level you're fully capable with God to live. Seek it out from wise women and women. Embrace counsel. Embrace correction. Seek it out. If you're a disciple, don't wait for someone to kind of like create some special circumstances by which you can kind of crack open the chest and really get to some things. Take the initiative, young disciple, and seek out wise men and women. Secondly, if you're older than 20 years old, you have something to give right now, today, to the next generation. So if you're 70, I'm not talking about the 70-year-old or 80-year-old, hey, wise young, or wise young man, 80-year-old, hey, in the kingdom. But anyway, pour your life into the next generation. But sometimes we think, well, well, I, I'm just about 25 or 30 or 35, I'm I'm just married or maybe just starting to... Man, what do I know? You know a ton that a teenager doesn't or a college student doesn't or a young professional doesn't. And so it's not only about being able to receive correction, it's about being the truth tellers and truth givers and lovers of people that God's made you to be to give correction. Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon you because, of you, because you're young, because of your age. You have the authority of the living God living inside of you. And when you come and you're like, hey, I want to bring health and life and I want to speak some true things into this, man, it can tremendously bless the people around you so they can walk in God's design. So relationships that can't discuss hurts or offenses are completely shallow. So if you, most of your relationships are just like, man, we'd never go there. Maybe you should kind of re-litmus uh, test those relationships and thinking that, man, we're close now. Actually, you're still pretty shallow because you aren't actually speaking truth to one another. Nothing ruins relationships faster than having an offense 
but not going to the person that offended you. Happens all the time, and it's one of the biggest destroyers of relationships. Kind of this silent destroyer of relationships. You might get offended, but God's Word asks us, if, you're, if someone offends you, even in the New Testament, it's like, man, if you're going to uh, communion, put that communion down if somebody if it has somebody against you and go settle it before you commune with the Lord. Nothing ruins relationships faster than having an offense, and therefore we live with a false peace that neuters the potency of God's people helping and loving one another at their best. So don't neuter those relationships. Give to those relationships. Not necessarily be, you know, Mr. Critique or Mrs. Critique. Nobody likes that spirit. But don't live with false peace. If there's some true things that you're in that relationship, you're like, man, I've been holding it in, and I need to say it to you. It's God, this is God's encouragement. And if you're like, man, I'm waiting for a word from the Lord, go to them. Talk to them. Resolve it. Work it out. Get to a place where you understand one another. It may not be agreement with one another, but at the end of the day, my goal is to, I want to understand what happened, or I want to understand what you said, or I want to understand your heart. Amen? Come on. Let's pray. Jesus, God, <laughs> oh, Lord, when we, when, we, when we hear a word like this, Father, it's just so easy to say, God, who are we? God, we feel broken. God, we feel not whole. Who are we to be the ones to coach others? Father, I pray that you would just take us by the hand and lead us in your way, that we would be ones, that we would be sons and daughters that would embrace correction, that would embrace growth in you, because God, that's your heart, that's your desire. And so Father, I pray that, Lord, if we're not right now placed in a protective environment with wise men and women around us, God, put it in us to go seek that out. God, to intentionally see wise men and women in our life. God, I just thank you, God, for the wise men and women that you've placed in our life thus far. Lord, the moms, the dads, the uncles, the aunts, the teachers, the grandparents, the coaches, the friends, God, all along the way. But Father, I pray that, Lord, in this next season, Father, that we would be a people that desires to grow, that desires to see that outer shell break open and see that seed sprout forth. So, Father, let us not be a stiff-necked, hard-headed people, but humble and faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a good week. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.